It is Chris Aiken Presents, and I, of course, am Chris Aiken. And today on the show, I am thrilled to be talking to this guy as a lifelong Accept fan. I have seen this guy play a hundred times, and um, and now he has a new band that I hope to see a hundred more times, because if this <laughs> new release, Requiem Reloaded, is any indication, we are in for a great ride with a great new band. Um, the, as I said... As I said, the name of the album is Requiem Reloaded. The band is called Ash Rain, and here to talk all about it is the legendary bassist of Accept and of Ash Rain, Mr. Peter Baltus. Peter, how are you, sir? Thank you for having me on. Absolutely, man. Well, Peter, as I was telling you before we got started, I love this record. I mean, it is... I'm going to be honest, it's very different than I expected from you, and I think you're probably going to get that a lot because people are going to automatically think except, which this is not. You know, if, if I don't want to put comparisons, but it's almost like a, a very clean, primal fear-sounding band more than a except. But, uh, but it, it's definitely different, and I think it's obviously different because of the players that are involved. So why don't we start there, man, and um, give us a kind of a rundown of Ash Rain, how it came together, and how you became part of it. Well, uh, I think 2018, when we did the last shows in Japan and Tokyo with Accept, uh, Muzomo was backstage, and my wife introduced me to him. She she knew him from before, and uh, we hit it off. You know, you talk, and then sometimes you talk with somebody, and there's a certain connection that you can't really explain but it's there. Okay. And uh, <clears throat> we took it from Dan, you know, I went on, he went on. And then um, a while later, I think the next year or something, I get a call from him and he asked me to, if I could play some bass tracks for him. Okay. For, for some project. And I did. And uh, and then he called me again and he said, he's doing producing Paul Shortino from Rough Cut. Could I play some stuff there? And they had uh, Mendoza before. And uh, so they wanted, you know, something heavier. Okay. And uh, I did that, and we became really good friends. And while he was up here in Vegas, he came to see me in Nashville. At the time, I lived in Nashville, and we worked on some stuff there. And then he, you know, he. Next time I spoke to him, he said, "Listen, I have this album, Requiem Reloaded, which I, you know, released before uh, years ago. But I want to mm -hmm. redo it. And would you play the bass?" And uh, I said, "Okay, I'll do that." And then he said, "You know what?" The record company is so thrilled, and I am so thrilled with your bass, you know, okay. the way you play and everything. Would you be interested to, we do something together as a band? And I said, well, you know, at the time, it was during the pandemic, <clears throat> and I was sitting at home anyway. So I said, all right, let's start writing some stuff. So finished playing the bass for uh, Requiem, and uh, now we're working on writing stuff for the new album, basically, the, you know, the first album we write together. Sure. And, uh, but I, when I heard it, I was floored because I, I never knew who Lurie Sanson is. Okay. Idea, and he's one of the, I mean, kick-ass singer. That's, you know, unfreaking believable. Right. And uh, Andy C on drums. I mean, I was floored when I got it. I was like, oh my <laughs> god, you know this, <clears throat> how this came together. But I, I kind of lived in that world a little bit because, remember, I. I played the first Dokken record ever. That's right. Breaking the Chains. And that was in that vein, you know, roll it back 20 years or 30, whatever. And then with Don Dokken, you know, I, I lived in that world. And, and it was that, that 80s kind of rock. 
and this uh -huh. it's kind of similar it's just it seems to me it's a little more progressive here and there sure in, in essence it, it sounds like a great 80s record that nobody can make anymore and and for some reason you know here it is Right now for, for you, you know, I, I mean, obviously, like you said, you have the, you have that eighties background, but it's been a long time. I know you said 30 years. I hate to tell you, but it's been 10 more than that. My friend, <laughs> it's been, it's been almost a, a half century since, since you were in doing that with Dokken, but I know you have that, but I mean, so much of your career is except obviously, which is very different from this. For you as a bass player, and, and I'll tell you what I hear, and you tell me if I'm wrong, but it doesn't sound like you're just following the drummer in this. It sounds like you're being very creative. The bass lines are being very creative within the songs on Ash Rain, which is a different style than Accept. So for you, was it? did you have to adjust how you play, or did it come very naturally? Well... To give you a little background, before I joined Accept, I was in a very progressive band, and and my oh. my uh, the bands I listened to when I grew up first was Yes and Emerson Lake and Palmer. Okay, and then came Deep Purple, Rainbow, ACDC. So I come from that world, and uh, <clears throat> I kind of adjusted for Accept to to okay. you know, uh, take that role and do the best I can. So you know, I, I became that the heaviest right hand, you know, in bass for a long time but my love is is actually the way i play now you know where it is where you where I interject myself a little bit when it's appropriate only sure. that and uh where it makes a difference you know it's also my sound you know I, i'm not that very low and i'm not i don't have that high ting 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 either mm -hmm. i have this middle bony barking bass sound which sits perfectly between the bass drum and the guitars it lives there in its own space so it by having that it allows it to to play things um that just give the song a little extra something you know i don't mm -hmm. know what it is but instead of just pedaling the note you know right no you're you're absolutely correct and and i'll tell you i, I i'm gonna be totally total um totally honest here i have never heard of nozomu wakai i've never heard of him before what an amazing <laughs> amazing musician this guy is i mean the 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 work that he's doing and the writing that he's done here is how how is it that we have not heard of him or a lot of us have not heard of him before well, you know, the Western world doesn't pay really that much attention to a Japanese artist, you know. True. So there's loudness, and that was that. And <laughs> right. That baby metals. That is the, think about the, 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 you know, the progression, <clears throat> the time difference. But, um, no, he's been, he's been uh, busy, and uh, he's a producer as well, so he produces. Uh, he's a graphic designer, so he does album stuff. <clears throat> he does a lot of stuff. Right now he plays in a band called Psy. Oh yeah, the the black metal band, or it's like black. Yeah, he yeah. plays them, and they're really they have elaborate costumes and cool. And but his his love is um, doing what this is, you know, playing this this Japanese version of eighties metal. Sure. You know? and uh, he's just an all around talent. And then when you know when the both of us got together, I just, I mean, it just exploded. And I said to him, I said, really. If I had my say, let's do some traditional Japanese music. 
Okay. And revamp that and put that in it. So we're working on that right now. So the next album is going to be different than this. I mean, at the core, you know, it will keep that 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 vibe, but introducing some really cool uh, um, yeah, traditional Japanese drums, traditional Japanese singing, you know, some aspects that make it interesting for for Japanese people, first of all, but also for Europeans or Americans. Well, that's something different, you know, when the band Who came out from Mongolia, Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, that was quite refreshing to see somebody play with different instruments and use kind of different approach to everything. And, and you know, for them, it was cool. So I think Nozomo, you know, why not do some Japanese? They have incredible music and instruments. And anyway, that's that's the future right now. You know, sure. We're here and uh, I'm just thrilled, uh, uh, you know, and honored to be in this band because these musicians are just really really something else no you're you're absolutely correct and and when people hear this they're gonna hear they're gonna hear just that i mean the the songs are they're 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 really really musical without you know i'll put it this way there's a lot of us and i'll i'm one of them cannot listen to a band like dream theater it's a little too artsy it's a little too musical for me you guys are doing very musical stuff, but it's still very catchy and that's really hard to accomplish. And it's, you know, shorter songs, it's three, four minute songs, five minute songs with a lot of playing, but not being over noodly. And I think that is what's going to make Ash rain catch with a lot of people. Do you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I'm not a fan of uh, the long noodly songs either because you can't keep track of it and you get tired of it. Mm-hmm. So, the idea is always to have a catchy riff and come to the point quickly. And then after after that, you know, do something different, go somewhere else and then meet again at the at the end point. And uh, I think we accomplished that here and it keeps the listener uh, interested. Mm-hmm. You know, it keeps them, you know, oh, I want to hear the next song. Uh, if their right. first song is nine minutes long, I mean, you know, you got to take a coffee yeah. break. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, exactly. Uh, that that is the nature of, of you know that's how the eighties were. It was it was a it was a <clears throat> it was an MTV generation. So back then, even the songs were kind of written after like a couple of years of MTV with MTV in mind, right? You know, short and this and come to the point. And to me, it's like if you say Dream Theater, it's a mix between Dream Theater, Van Halen, Motley Crue, you name it. Stick them dark and stick them all in there, you know beat the bag and then squeeze it and ash rain comes out. Right. Yeah, no, that, that's a, that's a good, good comparison there. Now I do want to dig into the record a little bit. I'm going to start with my, what is my favorite song on the record. And it's, it's my favorite song on, in large part because it does go a lot of directions musically. That's a symphony of despair. Just a, a, a fantastic song has a lot of, I don't want to say direction changes as much as mood changes in the song. It's it's like a it's the most moody song on the record. Talk a little bit about this one and performing on this one because it's such a cool musical number. Well, that one was a little bit of a challenge because I really wanted you know uh, uh, make sure that I that I get and 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 you know support what the original idea was and it's in the it's in the title symphony mm-hmm. so something that's you know not your a little tiny song. It's it's something different, and uh, I actually had to work on that quite a bit. And that's my the way I work. You know, I I get the song, I listen to it, 
then I make a run through and then I record something and then I keep going and just keep the parts where I'm happy with and I keep going over and over and over and, and first I analyze the riff how do I play with the riff but then I analyze the drums what does he do there where do I okay sure most importantly I analyze the vocals because I'm a singer as well and backgrounds so you know the vocals are the key you follow the vocals the guitar is always the same you know that's generic in a way the vocal sure. creates what the song becomes so I follow the vocal well and that one you know I had a lot of following to do and uh, but you know in the end uh, but that took me like almost three days okay but that's how you get there you know you, it's not just okay tape run let's go next right <laughs> you know you've you got to put your heart and soul in it and kind uh, of understand what the composer the writer what he was thinking and feeling and you, you know that that's not written when you get the track that's not written anywhere sure so for you to find out and and for you to figure out how he feels what the mood is and then well, okay how do i how do i get in there but right. uh, that is a, a good example of, of of one of the songs on the album that's you know not as simple and not as easy sure no you're right and and to contrast that so the people don't think that this is just an artsy noodly record because it's really not but the first two tracks um requiem for screamer and um are you ready for rock those are just straight up yep. turn it to 11 and and rock and headbang type of songs sim a lot more simplistic a lot more what arena rock used to be which i have to imagine those were a lot of fun to to record and, and put your parts on no well, these are, I have to be quite honest with you, these are very easy sure. because, you know, they, they speak to you right away and you, and you can picture yourself playing that in front of an audience. You don't even have to think twice. You know exactly what to do. That's like a given almost, you know, they, they, <clears throat> that's just the way they are. But uh, I give you one, uh, put on the trigger. If you know that interesting starts with the bass, that's mm -hmm. an intro which is unique. And then there are some, uh, tempo changes in there, which are really interesting. So again, there's a song which is, which is a typical '80s song. When you look at the vocals, it could have been oh. Jolene Turner singing that one. Sure. Uh, uh, but then there's the changes that are in there. They they would have done it in the '80s. They would have just be the same, you know. Mm -hmm. So that's what makes it different. But yeah, that that's one of my favorites. Not Absolutely. Just because there's a bass uh, intro. It's just, it's just a catchy song. And the right. video you know, we made a video and. Uh, uh, you know, I was here in Florida. I live in Florida, so he okay. said you, you sent me something. You know, we want to do the video, and obviously everybody sent something in, and that seems to be the the common threat nowadays when you have videos and people live, you know, all over the world. And to me, almost I kind of like that because, you know, you I haven't met the other two yet. <laughs> really? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, well, Lurie lives in I think Portugal. Okay. And NDC lives in Spain. Sure. And always in Japan, and I'm in Florida. <laughs> so interesting enough, you know, you have two scenarios. In the old day, you had a band that is in a room, and they record all together, and here goes the tape, and go. So all these egos, all these emotions are in the room at the same time, mm -hmm. which we always for a long time thought, well, it's the greatest thing ever. Until you come to take number five, because somebody made a mistake, then the next guy... 
and you start looking at each other like, can't, what the hell is wrong with you? You know, <laughs> right? Sure. And then the air leaves the song, the excitement, the freshness. So when you have it like this, it's a little bit different because you have no idea what the personality is like of the person. Mm -hmm. what you know, is what they play, and that gives you an indication. You know, I I can tell when a drummer is dedicated, when he's like, when it, it wasn't just one take and all right, I'm done, next, next. No, uh -uh. I can tell when they're so good. Same with the singer. I mean, it's, it's freaking unbelievable. A lot of work in there, you know, to get it right. So um, then you can just concentrate on the music and you meet later, you know, right. and celebrate and then go from there. So the same with the video, it, 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 you know, it, it's the way it is, but it's kind of cool that you get like everybody's in his own world and you get that footage and put it together. But the song, the song is the glue. Right. Where you, where you then, you know, you watch it and you don't even pay attention that it's on different continents. You just watch it because you're listening to the song. Right. <clears throat> do you think as you go forward in the future that you'll do more music this way with, you know, throwing waves or mp3s back and forth to to keep recording or do you think now that you've found that you have a chemistry you'll book time to get together in some point somewhere in the world and and record for for the next thing i think the the way of the future is to gather the ideas you know him and me writing the stuff so and and probably uh, uh Lurie as well but okay. writing the stuff, but then once it's written, then it would be a good time to go somewhere, meet, and record it together. You know, sure. that's the idea. But studio time, everything, you know, in nowadays, that's a very expensive business, mm -hmm. flights, and, you know, there, there's cost involved. So you sure. want to minimize the cost by being totally prepared and say, okay, we got everything down, everybody rehearsed at home, we meet, and we get this done in a week. Right, you know, in a room, yeah, yes, and, and the same with you. You know, you're probably going to ask me, Is there any life gigs in the future? I say, yeah. Yes, but with one album, you don't have enough material, so you know, you could you could do festivals where you play 45 minutes, you know, that would be enough. And I don't want to be in a band, uh, you know, whether then live play and then all of a sudden we play balls to the wall because I'm from except, you know, sure. like, it's new band, that's the music, that's the end of that, and uh. So, but, you know, maybe next year for some festivals, I think it would be, it depends how the <clears throat> reaction is. Nobody likes the album. There's, there's no relevance to it. You know? Right. Yeah. Well, and part of it too has to be, do you really want to play a festival at noon on a Thursday? You know, because nobody knows the band either. That's, that kind of defeats the per, I mean, yeah, it's great that you, if you get noon at, at Vakken, that's fantastic. Cause it's still 80,000 people or a hundred thousand people. But yeah. at the same time, how many of those people will pay attention and even learn the band's name if right. you're one of the one of the earliest bands? No, that is correct. That's what I'm saying. This is all in the open. It really depends, you know, how <clears throat> how the album goes, and then it's all the same all the time. Then you see what the offers are. If they're, if they're not good enough, you stay home. We have other things to do. We're all sure. very busy people, you know. Right. I just, I just finished uh, playing Batman. Last year, actually, yeah, that's a year ago already. I played the bass tracks for uh, Mick Mars' new solo album, but okay. that, that's been in the works for a thousand years. So that I don't know. You, know, you <laughs> never know if, if the tracks make the, the, the see the light of day. But right. anyway, but that was like you know, like going back to the '80s as well. 
<clears throat> and I've been doing a lot of that stuff. And I've just been on tour with Udo for three months because his bass player collapsed. So I helped out there and uh, it's been, been very, very busy for me. Sure. Um, in today's world, uh, Peter, it, it's, it's such a different animal than it was in the heyday when you, when, you know, when you started, you know, obviously the money is completely different. The costs, you know, even now just the costs of touring are, are crazy right now. Um, do you think that music itself and you're as somebody that's been an international artist, who's been successful all over the world. Do you think it's starting to actually devolve a little bit to where it's going to become more territorial than international because of the costs being so much to, to travel now? Um, in a sense, yes. I mean, you probably read it too. There's several bands now. They, because of ticket sales, they said, well, we're not going to South right. America. We're not going to Europe. So what, what happened is that there is a handful of bands at the top left they do this kind of business and it makes sense because it's just so elaborate and, and so big. And then there's basically the rest. Mm -hmm. So the rest now just basically goes out and plays smaller venues. So for the, for the audience, to me, that's a plus. At any given day, I like to see anybody in a small venue. Nobody wants to see anybody in a stadium or even sure. a big arena. <clears throat> because the price, you know, so small venue, you can afford a beer and you can park and you get home in time. It makes all sense to me. The band still makes a living. I'll give you an example. My son's band, Howling Giant. They're from mm -hmm. Nashville as a trio. Okay. They're on tour right now for three weeks and then they go on tour for another five uh, with uh, with Ruby the Hatchet and Elder. Um, and they, you know, they got their van, they got their equipment. They got a, you know, they get a bed in the van, so the three of them drive, so one can sure. always sleep. Um, they they get their merch, they get a, you know, they get some little money every night for the show, but it's enough for them to come home. And each has like you know a couple of thousand they made that month, and you you gain your fans. I think that's almost the old fashioned way. You have to mm -hmm. earn it one by one, and uh, you know that that's the way it goes. But on the other hand. Like for instance, their 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 case, they're an incredible band. Their their music is so totally different, and they're getting discovered by people who are in a, in a club with a hundred other people. But the yeah. next time they come back, they got 150, 180, 200. Then they get invited to Psycho Las Vegas to play at the festival. You know, it right. it, it moves. They're an age they can do that. So if you're that age, perfect. If you if you're older than that. You don't want to do that anymore. So that's right. why you see a lot of 80s bands, they just don't tour anymore. Guys say, I had it. No, thank you very much. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Well, I, you know, as, as a dad, I'm always curious for you dads that now have sons or daughters that are musicians. What do you take more pride in now? What you're doing now musically or what your kid's doing? You know, because it's awful fun to watch your kid succeed. Well, in my case, it's obviously is my son because. He's literally, um, you know, I hate to say it, but he is, he's as good as me or better. He's better. He's a, he's a modern version of me. He has the same playing style. The guy hears something once and plays it. He has the, the ear of, I don't know, perfect ear. And uh, he's just a born bass player. Well, I was a guitar player before, you know, I was just kind of forced into that. And uh, I just love, love watching him. 
and his band and and see how they progress and you know my thing um, you know i like i said i never wanted to be a rock star or I never fame or fortune it was always the craft the music either you know creating it or playing it live that's the fun in it anything else is just you know some some people love the fame some people just love the dough but both of them you know they don't last forever but if if you have a career where you're what you created will last forever like songs like balls to the wall or fast the shark or rest of the wild metal heart when you have things like this mm-hmm. you know then then you create a legacy and you know then i just watched my son you know right I don't, yeah i don't have any pride honestly you know i it doesn't make a difference to me okay fair enough i just All like right. Sounds good. Well, well, Peter, uh, obviously the new record, as we said, it's called Requiem Reloaded. The band is called Ash Rain, A-S-H-R-A-I-N. Please look it up because you will be happy that you did. Yes. Um, where should we tell people to go, Peter, to to buy it? And I don't mean stream it, but to actually buy this thing and, and um, you know, to keep up with you guys for if and when tour dates do start coming around or the new record and all that stuff. Yeah, well, Ash Rain has a Facebook page okay. and then you can get to Amazon and, and all the other regular where you go to buy your albums. If you buy your CDs, there's going to be vinyl coming out, which is the coolest thing ever. Always, you know, I don't think anybody buys CDs anymore. So you either stream it, you got the MP3, or you, you, you spend the money and get the vinyl and then have something lasting, you know, something cool to look at. Very but good. Your, your regular outlets will have all that. Yes. Okay. Awesome. Well, one more time. It is Ash Rain. Requiem Reloaded is the album. And uh, Peter, thanks so much for joining me here on Chris Aiken Presents. All right. Go pull the trigger. There we go. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.